Hello. Welcome back to my podcast today. Today I want to do the topic of Thanksgiving. A few things to be thankful of in this world that so often I forget the meaning of that. I'm a company here thinking of a man that taught me those very things, my old friend Bill Pierce. Great trombone player with Yoyasar. What a great song. What a great song. Thanksgiving is coming up in about a week, and I wanted to take a moment here and share some thoughts with all of you about Thanksgiving. It's not going to be as intense as my last video where I did uh, one on uh, history <laughs> about the Quimahoning Dam. The day right after that, it snowed and it's been so cold I haven't been able to get back there. And so that that's how life is. But I wanted to say about things that we're thankful of tonight today. You don't want to go real deep into things that'll bore you, but just the thoughts of thankfulness and what it means to be an artist here in this day and age. We're surrounded by this bitter <coughs> excuse me. Bitter sort of fight in Washington right now with this impeachment hearing. Whatever your political beliefs are, it's, it's a very depressing thing. Uh, one way or the other, there's no good that comes out of it. So this, this Thanksgiving, I think a lot of people have lost sight with all this negativity in the world. And I'm reminded of my old friend Bill Pierce and the, the way he would speak. All these people that have inspired me, these, these angels of everyday life. The company that I work for when I'm not being a writer and traveling is in the human services field. Now I don't want to go into detail about it because it's something that is a dangerous job. But along with that danger comes a certain amount of pride in the area I live in. Lightrobe, Pennsylvania. Up on the hill, I, I, I go up on the main stretch of the hill, what they call McChesney Town. And where I work, only one block away, is the childhood home of a man by the name of Fred Rogers. Maybe, maybe you've heard of him. They have a new movie coming out this week about Fred Rogers. Uh, and it is called um, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood something that he always felt very strongly in every one of his shows for children he would go through that song it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood you know and it's starring Tom Hanks, which does an amazing job at being Mr. Rogers. It's, it's phenomenal. 
so I I grew up I you know I grew up around Mr. Rogers and Arnold Palmer. To me, one was a golfer, one was a television personality, as a child that I would watch. I always felt like Mr. Rogers was a million miles away. So the times when I'd run into him, he was just like any other guy. And Fred was Fred was an amazing person. There are all these stories about people that you never know while they're alive, and then long after they've passed on, the stories are still not told. Little stories of how someone impacted someone's life. And for Fred, it was his ministry. He was a very quiet, not very egotistical person. He worked on his spirituality, which was to speak in everyday terms. And no matter where you were at, Fred was the type of guy that he'd take the time, he'd take the effort, and he would speak to you on a level that whether you were had your doctoral thesis going and had your words all uh, in a higher vernacular that you could speak on a high level or whether you were the child he could speak to you and he would take those real high core principles of life and bring them down so simple to what children understood the peace and simple love kindness of a neighborhood and being a child Fred always felt that story in the Bible that where Jesus tells his apostles that unless you can relate and see things with the faith of a child. You know, that's the kingdom of heaven. And to Fred, it was these moments when he would have children write him letters and he would respond to them that he considered his ministry as a minister. And that's what Fred was. He was a minister. And the people he would meet he went out of his way with. I think about Fred and I wish I had that patience. I work on it. I always work on it. I am not successful. <laughs> there are times when I'm in public and I'm in a hurry and I'll be honest I don't have the time to deal with some things. I realized later on I could have dealt with him in a lot better, more congenial way. And I think of Fred. I think of this quote of Fred's. A couple of them, actually. Fred always said that understanding love is one of the hardest things in the world. Understanding love is one of the hardest things in the world. What he meant by this, that simple phrase on so many levels, is to first of all understand what it is to be appreciative of somebody as an equal. And you can also look at divine love and how could God feel so loving and kind and forgiving. 
Fred went on to say that when we love a person, we accept him or her exactly as is. The lonely with the unlonely, the strong with the fearful, the truly mixed and with the facade. And of course, the only way to do this is by accepting ourselves that way. Fred felt that love, love was a very personal place that you had to be able to love yourself to love others. And this was the ministry, the teaching, the statement, testimony of what his life was. When speaking of neighbors, Fred always said that um, one of the greatest dignities of humankind is that each successive generation is invested in the welfare of each new generation. And that we are all, we all have different gifts, so we all have different ways of saying to the world who we are. That, that is the words of Fred, and it, it encompasses for me exactly what Fred felt about life. When um, you think about just how much he uh, made, even for small children, concepts that old men try to grapple with. The true meaning of life, the true meaning of kindness, compassion, to be a neighbor and friend to everybody. It's a journey. It's a lifelong journey of becoming a self-actualized person. You have all those basic needs of Maslow's and at the top is being self-actualized. I think Fred, in a lot of ways, was a self-actualized person. But he wasn't special any different than anybody else and he'd be the first to tell you that. He was just a person that thought and felt very deeply, took the time to examine his thoughts and feelings and, and, and say them. There's a great story of Fred when he was young, uh, up the hill where he lives. It's a very steep hill. <clears throat> I'd say a couple hundred feet. Uh, Lightrobe has, has this big hill at the base of McChesney Town. The main stretch goes up through and when it reaches the bottom of that hill, it's a one-way street. So it's one of the first things you notice as you go from one side of town to the other. And Fred lived right up there. So he was in school as a young man, and these kids were chasing him. I guess they were going to fight with him, or they were making fun of him, or whatever it was. And he stops at this old lady's door that was a neighbor of his. And he knocks on the door, and he says, hey, can you let me in for a little bit and of course the old lady was looking at this young man and saying well what do you want you know she she didn't know him and she knew him but didn't know him real well and he said um, these people are chasing me and I want to be safe here and of course the, the lady left him in and Fred took time and spoke to her and learnt a lot from this old lady of one of his neighbors, and they became friends. And this old lady, up until 
many years afterwards to tell the story about this young man that became Mr. Rogers and how he took the time to get to know, know the older people in town and the values. His uh, full name was Fred um, McFeely Rogers and character of Mr. McFeely is based on his father because his father owned a brickyard and McFeely's owned it and um, it had been in his family. His father had eventually bought enough stock in it that it would he could buy it for himself. My cat is trying to tell me something. What do you want? You always have to be in every one of my podcasts, don't you? I know. Tell the people what? The Mr. Rogers story? Okay. So Fred, <laughs> she does it every, every podcast. And I, I love it. You know, I need to have a little bit of a, of a co-host here. <laughs> Mr. Rogers, um, Excuse me. His father would have this at his brickyard. And the bricks were actually used in the ovens and the furnaces in Pittsburgh. It, it was a type of fire resistant brick that would line the furnaces with. And Fred learned at a, at a very young age orc ethic. And he also learned the values from these older people he would meet in his neighborhood and talk to. He, he took an interest in how things were made, how things were done. And he uh, spent his entire life doing that. That was always one of my things as a child was one of my favorite things was seeing how he would start his show, first of all, introducing himself. And then he would talk about something being made that was new. He would take that time and, Sasha, you're ruining my podcast here. <laughs> He would take the time and he would introduce how something was made, something interesting to kids that showed them to appreciate, be it something they had around their house or to learn something, take an interest in something that was a skill and an art. So that's what he got involved in. Fred spent his whole life doing that. And he had a show, and then he retired. He had fame, you know. And this movie coming out is about him. Who was the real man? Well, when I think of Fred, I think of the real man being a man that I knew that I always, I always found to be very fascinating. He no matter where you were at, you knew you were going to learn something around Fred. And when he died, he passed away. It was from stomach cancer. I was, I was in shock. It was a couple years ago. And since then, I have given some thought to Fred. Beyond even this movie. His grave is in Unity Cemetery. It's at a place where his 
mother's family owned and it's a mausoleum so when you go there strangely enough it feels like you're visiting him at his house uh, it is on all stances where he's buried and you walk up these steps to these two doors and he's off on the left and there's a stained glass image of this angel with a flaming torch and I believe it to be Michael or Uriel I forget which arch archangel it is it's it's worth a visit I want to do a video of it sometime but I always feel odd about it because it's uh, it's always very personal to me when I go there I'm first of all hit with the rush of emotions because I realized the world and he passed away, we lost a very amazing person. And then I wonder deeply to myself, was he ever really truly lost? Because so much of his words and his shows, you could watch for days on end, and it's, it's like he's right there with you. So the power of the man and his ministry is alive in those. In his poetry, his writing, Everything, everything that Fred did was prose. It was a spiritual prose. I think when I look back, that's one of the most important things to be thankful of, is the way that Fred taught how to be an effective communicator to others. So this Thanksgiving, I'm sitting here, and I want to... Think about a few charities here that I'm, I'm really in love with. Thanksgiving is, is a time where no matter what charity, be it the Salvation Army, I am involved in this one that Troy Palomalu of the Steelers had gotten me interested in. Um, that gives turkeys and food out to through his church I know that Troy has pushed for these these small ideas that I've picked up on where he gives to his community and he Pushes ideas like little things like donating so much money to build a garden in the community for inner city people to have food, to, to be able to feed the poor. There's, there's, a, there's a vast amount of people that Troy reaches out to through this. And I'm, not, I'm not saying him as to donate to his charity. It's one of many. In your cities and towns, you'll see them where you can donate so much money and a poor family can have a turkey. And with the holidays coming up, that's one of the most important things. I think of people like Fred that did similar things. Though he was a vegetarian, Fred was. He always did a lot of these things in the holidays for children. So if you want to be thankful this Thanksgiving, I suggest that, you know... 
take the time and donate usually it's maybe ten dollars to get a to get a turkey everybody's saving up their points and trying to get a free turkey you don't think about the families that don't have there's a lot of families that don't have I don't make a whole lot of money I'm not wealthy by any means it can be said that I'm horrible at self-marketing <laughs> I'm not good at that self-promotion I, I hate it I really hate that when I write a book I let it stand for itself when I do something I let it stand for itself but I want to really promote these charities and I want to give people a chance to look them up themselves I'm not gonna put any out there and say hey this is a good one that's a bad one Salvation Army of course is good but there's many of them I think of across America all these families getting together on Thanksgiving to have a dinner together this day and age so many families are so far apart from one another they're so distant from one another it's, it's sad to see one in the old days the time of my grandfather great-grandfather all the families would get together great-great-grandfather they'd all get together and it was a feast Thanksgiving is a feast to celebrate it didn't necessarily have to be about this time of year it was a, it was a time of family and community it was also more importantly a time to give to those who didn't have what you had left over with harvest That's the most beautiful part about it. I've never thought of a holiday anything differently than that. So go out and do that. Be a light in the world. Lastly, and I've got about nine minutes here, maybe less. I want to address an issue here that some people will maybe not understand, feel the depth of, or truly appreciate as artists what people deal with in the music business, in the literature business, and publishing in general. Uh, Taylor Swift, my little buddy Taylor. I'm actually amused here by this because I was pointing out to Raylan Nelson that when her daughter had a birthday party, that they, Raylan, you're actually related to Taylor, and I am too, so we're all cousins here. And uh, Raylan was like, What? So it's pretty cool. I uh, think we're like seventh cousins. I don't think that. Uh, genetically there's very much in common that we have but I wanna I wanna support Taylor Swift right here I'm not a I love Taylor Swift I'm not I'm not a huge fan of any song of hers when it comes on the radio it's more of a you know, young kids music they listen to it's more of an artistic side that is generation younger than me 
She speaks to a lot of young women, and I do love this about her, with her music. I see all these Swifties, they call them, and I see how she gives them a sense of what a strong-minded, powerful artist can be. And to speak for women, you know, this is something I kind of see as being the stand-up for women's, women's issues. I've always been somebody that I grew up with. A lot of my teachers were feminists. Randy Kasky and the like. And I think of Taylor. I don't necessarily look at her, oh, wow, this is a woman artist. I say, this is a good artist. We've gone beyond the point where in the early 90s, mid-90s, late 90s, there were very few women artists that were being promoted for their work. If they were, it was some teeny bop song or some love song or some cheesy caricature of what a woman should be. And now, thankfully, with, with a lot of these artists I've seen, uh, Jen Wertz, Raylan Nelson, uh, Taylor, all, all these people. There's another one on here. I can't think of her name. I saw her on TV the other day. She's like 17 and is phenomenal. Phenomenal writer. But these artists, like Taylor, posted something about how she wanted to uh, get some of her music and have rights to it at the American Music Awards. I'll, I'll read her statement here. She says, guys, it's been announced recently that the American Music Awards will be honoring me with the Artist of the Decade Award at this year's ceremony. I've been planning to perform a medley of my hits throughout the decade on the show. Scott Borchata and Scooter Braun have now said that I'm not allowed to perform my old songs on television because they claim that would be re-recording my music before I'm allowed to next year. Additionally, and this isn't the way I had planned to tell you all this news, Netflix has created a documentary about my life the past few years. Scott and Scooter have declined the use of my older music or performance footage for this project. Even though there is no mention of either them or Big Machine Records anywhere in the film. Scott Brochetta told my team that they'll allow me to use my music only if I do these things. If I agree not to record copycat versions of my songs next year, which is and looking forward to. I also told my team that I need to stop take, talking about him and Scooter. I feel very strongly that sharing what is happening to me could change the awareness level of other artists and potentially help them to avoid a similar fate. The message being sent to me is very clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up, or you'll be punished. This is wrong. Neither of these men had a hand in the writing of these songs. They did nothing to create the relationship I have with my fans. So this is where I'm asking for your help. Please let Scott Rochetta and Scooter Braun know that how you feel about this. Scooter also manages several artists who I really believe care about other artists and their work. Please ask them for help with this. I'm hoping that maybe they can talk some sense into the men who are exercising tyrannical control over someone who just wants to play the music. My Carlisle group.
and put up money for the sale of my music to these two men. I just want to be able to perform my own music. That's it. I've tried to work this out privately through my team, but have not been able to resolve anything. Right now, my performance at AMA's Netflix documentary and other recorded events I'm planning to play until November 2020 are a question mark. I love you guys, and I thought you should know what's been going on. Taylor. Th think about that. You know, a lot of people, oh, it's Taylor Swift, you know. And a lot of people get jealous of people that have accomplished things. This is an ongoing struggle. This is what Willie Nelson became an outlaw for. When he couldn't record his own music the way he wanted to, or didn't have rights to it, this, this is music people write, them and their fans. And you know what happens. You know when let's say an album or a book. You, you pay $20 for the book, the artist probably makes 2-3 on it, if they're lucky. The rest goes to the publisher. You have printing fees, you have marketing fees, that's understandable. With music it's the same way. Uh, with the downloaded, downloading lately, there aren't those fees. People are downloading a song, a file. So it's all overhead. And these people are getting pretty damn greedy in the publishing, music, and writing industry. So I want to take take a moment. I read what Taylor said there. And I, I sat back and thought how to come up with a response to it. I want to support her 100% in what she's doing. She is truly eloquent. That, that was beautifully said that was very personal and vulnerable and it's right it's right what she said her work belongs to the impact that she's had on her fans none of those two people were involved in that do you think that you can stop an artist from doing their own work it's a marketing strategy to very much the same way I was told by Alfred Knopf back in the day when I had a chance to be published by them. I was in my 20s, probably about Taylor's age, and she started out. And I had publishers who were interested in me, but I wanted Alfred Knopf. There was a reason. I liked the way they produced the books. And I was told by them that, hey, you're not going to be published. Your stuff is really good, it's phenomenal. I said, well, okay. Well, why aren't you going to publish me? They said, well, we don't publish anybody under the age of 40. I realized that amount of creative control they have, not just to control an artist that's good, but to make them marketable. Not marketable for the artist, marketable for the people that can empirically look at something and suck all the life out of it and throw away the husk. Husk being, and the life being sucked out of is both a person that's a fan and the artist themselves. So this is really a struggle with both ends. I want to encourage everybody to not just message these people, but be aware of if you have the opportunity to be published, make sure you have creative control. And ultimately you're going to find ways that you're not. They're, they're always going to win. These pub publishers 
these producers, they're always going to find a way to win. But what is important? So we stand by people like Taylor Swift in their fight for their right to their work. I would lastly, looking at these two men, I don't even know them, but just, just what Taylor said, I take her word for it. I would question these people and their motives. Do they really love music? When I go to a live performance, yeah, it's not as good as in the studio, trust me. There's a vibe to the atmosphere. There's a vibe to the, the performer and the people listening. When I go to Spiel's Tavern, hear someone play, there's a vibe there. I'm drinking a beer, having something to eat, and enjoying the music. Let's let that be what it's about. The artist and the music, and these people that don't even love it. They must really hate themselves and hate the business they're in because there is no amount of money that can buy God-given talent. And when you see it, you're going to make outlaws. <laughs> I've been that way all my life. I've been an outlaw. I've seen how things work. I was inspired by Willie and Chris and Jack Kerouac and many others, many, many others. I thought this fight was over with years ago, but Taylor's dealing with it. So, Taylor, I doubt you'll listen to this, but I support you, kid. And uh, if I can do anything to help you, let me know. Thank you, and I'm very thankful, lastly, for all the artists out there, all their work, all their divine, God-given talent. And people who live by that standard that Fred Rogers lived by. Peaceful, loving, wonderful day in the neighborhood. See you later, neighbor.